0: Thank you for downloading this Hay Festival's podcast. For more information about the Hay Festivals globally and to access our archive, please visit hayfestival.org. Thank you. Thank you very much for being here. It's a particular pleasure to welcome you to this Hamlin lecture, which is graced by one of the world's great men. It also, as I think you know, raises money for a number of charities. Uh, Most of all, uh, the Story Mojo Festival in Kenya, our two local cathedrals in Hereford and Brecon, and a number of local charities as well. We are deeply honoured this year to welcome Desmond Tutu. wonderful to see you. Thank you for coming. May I start in the deep end and ask you how, in South Africa, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was such a success?
1: Yes, I've got to say good evening first. Why are we sitting like... The last time I sat in this way was... Uh, ...was in uh, the Oval Office. Did you get what you wanted? <laughs> I, I have to tell you this uh, the story of uh, uh, Jack, who, who was an and even more inveterated name dropper than I. Uh, somebody asked him, Jack, but man, why are you so fond of name dropping? And he said, oh, that's strange, you know. Yesterday, when I was in Buckingham Palace, the Queen... <laughs> the Queen asked me the same question. <laughs> <coughs> Yes, I think, I mean, that uh, ours was not sort of a scintillating success. I mean, yes, I think we got to be able to do many more things than people had expected. But we had an an enormous uh, advantage. How many people have got a Nelson Mandela? I mean, we... We, we trumped everybody, you know. I mean, when he, when he said to people, let's, let's try the path of reconciliation and forgiveness, no one could say to him, you're just being glib. What do you know about suffering? <laughs> he, he, he would say, 27 years, you know. 27 years, so he had, he had an, an incredible credibility. But I also believe that we've been the beneficiaries of incredible, incredible support from the international community. I mean, do you know of any cause now that had the same but has the same universal appeal. I mean, you could go anywhere virtually in the world and you would find a group who said they are part of the anti-apartheid movement. So we, we are the beneficiaries of incredible, incredible support and prayer, and I don't think that in, in the other places that you, you mentioned, and, and don't write them off uh, as being total failure. I don't think uh, we went a we scintillating went success, but we, we, we did enough uh, taking account of our past to be able to, to begin to move together into, into the future.
0: To what degree, because you very graciously credit Nelson Mandela for this, but surely there is a wide partnership, an essential part of which is you. (laughs) And I'm intrigued by the way in which you and Mandela work together on this. And I would like to ask, to what degree the entire process was informed by your Christian faith and his political
1: acumen? I I have to tell you that I was a very, very good captain. You know, the successful captain is a captain who captains a winning side. (laughs) And, And this is not just being sort of falsely modest. We had in the commission, some incredible human beings and, um, I mean, for instance, uh, the, the person who was the deputy chair, uh, Dr. Alex Bahrain, apart from the fact that his antecedents were that he had been involved in, in working out with other people, what do we do post-apartheid? Uh, we would, for instance, not have been able to begin the operations of the com- commission. We, we had to hit the ground running. And it was just one of the most wonderful gifts from God that we had in Alex Barain, who is superb as an administrator. In next to no time, having had nothing, more or less, I mean, infrastructure and, and so on. He had got us offices all over the place. He had been able to employ various uh, staff persons. And, and and so, yeah. But your question is what my faith did. Perhaps we should say the faith of all of those people. You know, because <clears throat> I I suggested that, uh, this was really far more a spiritual exercise, as it were, than a political. It was quasi-political and legal. But fundamentally, I mean, politicians don't usually have in their discourse reconciliation, forgiveness. That's not, that's not the normal discourse. Uh, it's something that you usually expect from Clerics uh, uh, that we would, but you know we had Jews, we had Muslims, we had Christians, the whole pantheon. And and one, I I wrote to the Secretary General of uh, the Anglican Consultative Council, uh, who operates with the Archbishop of Canterbury. I said, please, on our behalf, can you write to all the religious communities, the monks and the nuns of our communion, and let them soak this process in their praying. But I also suggested to my colleagues that uh, we ought to start. Uh, our, our work uh, with a retreat, a quiet day. And my spiritual counselor, who was a very, very sensitive human being, uh, was, was the person who accompanied us. And so we, we went off uh, to a retreat house and, and spent a, a time of quiet. Um, Together before we even ventured into all of the nitty-gritty of the commission, and and then uh, they also agreed that uh, whenever we had a meeting of the commission at midday, we would stop our proceedings and invoke the transcendent. Kept I would, after a moment's silence, perhaps ask a muslim uh, to collect our thoughts prayers whatever in 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 a summing up prayer and uh, well, if you saw any any uh, uh, TV images of what we called uh, victim hearings, we all always began, I mean, it was a ritual. We began with hymns, and uh, actually, we did a, a thing where we lit a candle in memory of all of the people who had died um, as part of the proceedings. Um, and yes, I hope, I mean, that uh, that was a, an element that was quite crucial. And when we finished uh, the TRC, we went, we went to Robben Island and, and said, now we, we are having a closure for ourselves and for everybody. And we had another uh, retreat, but this time on Robin Island, when we went into the sails and uh, sort of offered all of that up.
0: I'm intrigued by the process with which you gather different faiths into that process. How applicable is that interfaith? togetherness to other conflicts that you now advise on through the Council of the Elders?
1: Well, I would certainly hope, I mean, that, uh, you know, people have sometimes glibly said, because of September the 11th, uh, Islam is is a violent faith. And, and, and one has to keep saying, Christians are the last people to say that. You know, I mean, we, we, speaking to other, I mean, we uh, burnt witches. We burned those we said were uh, heretics at the stake. We, had the... I'm mean, just think of all of the wars. And then, more recently, Holocaust wasn't... it wasn't pagans, it was Christians. The people who were the perpetrators of apartheid were not heathen. They said they had the support of the Bible. Crusades? <laughs> 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 so so we, 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 we ought to be a great deal more modest uh, and, 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 and actually tread very carefully. Uh, Kofi Annan, just before he left, uh, uh, being Secretary General, appointed, it, it, it had a rather pretentious title, uh, a group of us called the high-level group um, uh, of the... Uh, it spoke about the alliance of civilizations, not the clash of civilizations. and. And we were a diverse group, but can you believe it? I mean, we had uh, Sheikh Khatami, the former president of Iran. Uh, you mentioned the groups we had; uh, we had them. It was an incredible spread. Can you believe that we actually produced a unanimous report? And Kofi Anand summed it up in this way. The trouble is not the faiths. The trouble is the faithful. There are good Christians and there are very bad Christians. There are good Muslims. And there are very bad Muslims. I mean have you, have you ever met the Dalai Lama? No. No, no, no. Well, <laughs> uh, I think he's one of the holiest people I've ever met. Uh, he's been in exile over 50 years. He's one of the most serene people uh, you could ever imagine. And uh, bubbling with joy, actually mischievous. Uh, You know, sometimes when we are together and I say, oi, oi, (laughs) the cameras are on us. Try to behave like a holy man. But you know, there are some of us who imagine that when, when the Dalai Lama appears before God, God will say, oh, Dalai Lama. Oh, you are such a fantastic guy, man. You really are a wonderful chap. What a shame you are not a Christian. crazy, most of us actually think God is a Christian. I mean, God is not a Christian. (laughs) 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 Yes, when we were struggling against the party, it was fantastic, I mean, you know, we would walk arm in arm with a Muslim imam, with a Jewish rabbi, because there is no faith that I know that propagates violence. There is no faith that I know that says it is a good thing to murder. It is a good thing to be cruel. And, and so, yeah, uh, we, we, we were fortunate I mean, that we had this manifestation of different faith represented uh, in in the commission uh, and and we worked together. We worked together because I think on the fundamentals, I mean, most faiths speak about a transcendent one. Most faiths speak about the absolute value of a human person. Most faiths speak about the fact that this is not the end of the story this life that we know that there is there is another there is a better life um, uh, in the in the hereafter uh, and and so i would i would I would hope more and more I mean, that we we would we would do, you know, in the, in the, in that, in the gospel of St. John, right at the beginning, uh, two disciples follow Jesus. And he turns and looks at them, and, 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 and they say, uh, uh, Rabbi, where do you live? Uh, and he says, come and see. And And then later on, these two go off to tell, one to tell his brother and the other to tell a friend, we have found him with the Messiah. And it's it's a fascinating thing that they didn't try to argue them into, into a belief in Jesus. They said, come and see. And in a way. What drew people into the early church was not so much the proclamation, the proclamation, yes, but much, much, much more was come and see and they saw an extraordinary thing where people who belonged to different levels of society, hey, look at them, they've become sisters and brothers. And that is why they they used to say how these Christians love one another. Today, it would be a jibe That, that more than anything would be people seeing Christians being a compassionate bunch of people a caring, a friendly, a welcoming, hospitable, and, and, and that more than our utterances uh, would be what
0: draws people. Can I ask you, because you referred to it twice, about how this worldwide prayer manifests itself or manifested itself for you in South Africa. How did you feel it?
1: How did we feel it? Well, I once, so don't think I'm being smart uh, that I've got all these uh, 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 flip answers. Uh, I, 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 I once had to preach, um, and I said, you know, that passage from the prophet Zechariah where. The prophet, speaking on behalf of God, says, the new Jerusalem is going to be so populated. I mean, it will be bursting at the seams. It won't have conventional walls. And God says, I will be like a wall of fire around Jerusalem. And I have to tell you that there were moments when it was almost a physical thing. You, you actually did feel buoyed. You know, when you've been cornered by interviewers, uh, <laughs> who were somewhat uh, less friendly than you. <laughs> uh, quite truly, some of the answers I gave, I was surprised that I, I could answer in the fashion that I had answered. And, and, and yet, our Lord had warned, I mean, or promised, don't worry when they bring you before their courts, don't be anxious. Uh, for you will be given what to say then. Now now I'm not suggesting uh, that you say no, I can loll around and, and not worry about uh, thinking thinking about my faith. Why is it a rational thing to be a Christian? And how many of you were in church this evening? Didn't you think that the Archbishop of Canterbury preached a superb sermon? (laughs) Fantastic. I mean, without a without a a stitch of notes, Uh, so beautiful, beautiful, uh, beautifully put together. Uh, But but you know, I've said to people that actually it seems to me that you must be roughed up in a way to understand what our Lord was saying. You know, when our Lord said, yeah, when you leave all of these things for my sake, you're going to have sisters and brothers really more than you can number. Well, yes, we experienced that. You know, I, I, at some of the worst moments when you were feeling so low, you could crawl under a snake. Uh, just out of the blue, I would get, I would get a letter from Alaska. Now, obviously, there are no God-forsaken places anywhere, uh, but I mean—leave <laughs> Sarah Palin out of this. But I mean. <laughs> When you are in Johannesburg and you receive a letter from Alaska, and, and this is from a, a Lutheran pastor who says, Bishop, I was still uh, the Bishop, uh, General Secretary of the Southern Council of Churches, we in this parish in Alaska are praying for you, and then, he sends uh, the parish bulletin and he had the names of all of us on the staff of the Southern Council of Churches about how many other institutions can you tell a similar story. And let me finish, <laughs> tell you just one more. I. I once sat with a solitary uh, and she at the time uh, lived in the woods in California somewhere. And I said, please just tell me a little bit about your life. And she said, well, you know, my life, my day starts at 2 in the morning and I pray for you." By name? And I said, ah, here I am being prayed for at two in the morning in the woods in California. What chance does the apartheid government stand?
0: <laughs> can can I that's beautiful, but can I <laughs> Can I ask you how, at the same time in Two in the Morning, when the apartheid government were kidnapping and torturing and assassinating people, how, through the death of Steve Biko, through the death of Chris Haney, you maintained, with all the support and prayer in the world, how you maintained the conviction and the hope that good would prevail?
1: Well, yes, I mean, you, you started off by, by saying I, we had the, the support. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I, my own life experiences, I, I believe, uh, helped a great deal. I worked for the World Council of Churches um, for about three and a half years. I was working for something called the Theological Education Fund, and our offices were in Bromley, in um, Kent. Uh, And we were a very diverse team. There was somebody from uh, Malaysia, uh, who was born on mainland China? There was somebody from uh, Brazil. We we were a very very team, and our our postman came from Taiwan, uh, and I was exposed for the first time there to liberation theology, and and very soon thereafter. I went to the United States uh, and encountered black theology, uh, and and realized then much more than I had previously just how explosive, how revolutionary uh, our faith is, how revolutionary, I mean, like dynamite, our our Bible is, uh, and. Uh, uh, and then, I, I, I also was very blessed uh, to, to have met people like Trevor Huddleston, who was a major influence on my life. Uh, and then, being trained for the priesthood by a religious community uh, who made it quite clear that for them, the priority was always the spiritual, but it was a spiritual that did not uh, quarantine you uh, from, from life. It was precisely because you, you had this encounter with God in prayer, in the Eucharist, in retreats and quiet days, in meditation, that you returned uh, to, to, to have a concern, Uh, for especially those who were God's uh, favorites, the marginalized, the vulnerable, the weak, the poor. Um, And it is a fantastic thing, actually. I mean, you know, in the midst of all of that darkness um, that we had, to be able to tell people that you know, we were worshiping a God who was uh, uh, the, the God of this Exodus, uh, who said, I have seen, I have heard, and I know, and, and I will come down. Uh, I mean, you, it was almost as if the scriptures had been written directly and especially for us, you know. Uh, I mean, when you, when, you, when you want to oppress people, the last thing you should give them is the Bible. You ought not to give them. I mean, if you, if you want to succeed, don't. You know, don't give them that, because where you had people say in their ideology, the thing that invests people with a worth is a biological irrelevant skin color. Um, And then the Bible comes along and it says, "Ah, ah-ah. (laughs) No, 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 no. What you are saying means it is not a universal possession, skin color. Not everybody is black, you know. Uh, Most are. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) But it is the fact that you are created in the image of God. And that is a fantastic assertion that I, I, little I, am God's representative. You know, I I am a God-carrier. That, that was fantastic. I mean, when you told people, <laughs> I, I, when I was general secretary of the SHG, I was also uh, rector of a small little parish in Soweto. Most of my congregation were not very important people. And, and I, I would say to them, Mama, uh, when you walk down the street and they ask you, Hey, who are you, you see? Me. I'm God's partner. I'm God's, I'm God's representative. And, and you could actually see the people in the congregation uh, sit up a little more uh, and getting their shoulders a little squarer and, and going out of church, uh, carrying their heads a little higher. Uh, because we, we had this incredible faith, this faith that said, our God is not blind. Our God is not deaf. Our God is not stupid. Our God knows. And this God is, is going to come down. Uh, and when we still had Nelson Mandela and the other people in jail, uh, Yeah, it sometimes seemed like uh, a pipe dream. And then God came down and God opened the prison doors.
0: How is God going to come down to the people
1: of Zimbabwe? As God always does, through others. Uh, the, The situation there has been a dire, a horrendous uh, situation. And I mean, it is, it is in many ways still unbelievable that uh, a country with so much potential, a beautiful country, could in a few short years be changed into, into a hell on earth. But now we've got what may be their best chance of salvaging and helping Zimbabwe return to her former glory in this government of national unity. As you know, I, I, I have on many occasions said that perhaps we ought to dangle a carrot in front of uh, President uh, Mugabe and suggest to him step down. Uh, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen soon. I mean, because I think the generals are scared that if he if he steps down, then they are for the high jump. Do you talk to him? <laughs> Me? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I used to. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, I remember uh, my wife and I we- went, I think there was Zimbabwe was celebrating uh, the, the ten, its 10th anniversary of freedom. And we were sitting together with him in the uh, VIP lounge. Uh, he had come to see off heads of state and so on. And and as always, I mean, he was so debonair, you know, wonderfully turned out, uh, and and we were sitting together and and chatting, uh, and he was just a wonderful person, wonderful person, and 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 one has has been shattered by the. This transformation, I mean, uh, 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 and no, I don't think he would want to hear from me. (laughs) He has said, uh, I'm that uh, little, bitter bishop. Um, I'm sad, I'm sad for his country, uh, but I am hopeful. And, And one of the things that perhaps you very caring people might be able to do is is pressuring uh, donor countries, yours included, uh, to increase, you know, humanitarian assistance and even a tiny bit more. I mean, the the schools are a shambles. Uh, the sewerage systems are awful. I mean, you know, they had cholera as a result of, uh, the water being polluted. And, and I, I hope, I mean, that uh, where you can you, you can, you can help uh, Morgan Chivangarai, because I think that if the electorate notices that things became better for them as a result of Morgan's being involved, It just might be that at the next election, the results will be far more clear cut than previously and that there will be no doubt about who should be the president.
0: In terms of God moving through other people, what is your relationship with your own new president and do you have his ear to I realized this would be a transformation. Do you have his ear to uh, guide him in dealing with Zimbabwe? Oh, I couldn't be so presumptuous.
1: Uh, he's, he's, he's a very warm person, you know, and is uh, a people's person uh, and engages people much more very attractive, and he is very, very popular. Much more than his predecessor, Thabo What? Well, yeah, oh. I was going to say, I was going to say, uh, uh spent too much time in, in, in England, and it, he uh, <laughs> It's all right, we're in Wales. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I learned, I think he... He imbibed a, a bit of what, I mean, you, you, you are scared of carrying your, your heart on your sleeves. Uh, and so he, he was very reserved. And and, and uh, yeah, well, Jacob Zuma isn't. Um, and what I hope, I mean, is that uh, we can all say, let let's give him the opportunity of uh, having a go, and and uh, say the jury is out. Um. You don't feel,
0: from your um, churchman's position, any need or desire now to criticise his behaviour. You have uh, you have accepted a pragmatic view.
1: No, oh, well, I've 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 said my piece, um, and remember, I am a <laughs> Yeah. Okay. There are there are uh, we have we have a wonderful young man who, who's uh, who's Archbishop of Cape, uh, Cape Town now, and really, it's not fair. He's he's, he's young. Mm-hmm. And he's handsome. <laughs> I'm not jealous. No, no. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no but he's, he's 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 actually remarkable. I mean, he's he's in his 40s or so and and already he has he has made his mark, I mean, you know, he's he he, he played a very important role in in how the last Lambeth conference should operate. And most people say um, that that conference uh, was fantastic. Um, And uh, Archbishop Rowan has to get a great deal of credit. But all of those people uh, who helped him, and that included uh, this young man, Tabo. uh,
0: I I, I completely accept that you are emeritus and that uh, you, in some way, are, are slowing down, but not much. Uh, you are an advert for global travel. Uh, you are a world statesman. Um, you don't seem to be in any way stepping back. Now, I know that you've said that you love, or are partial to, the limelight. But your position as a Nobel laureate <laughs> conveys
1: extraordinary power. Mm. Mm. Yes, Um, I have said, I think, I mean, that uh, the... the Nobel Peace Prize does seem to impose an obligation on, on, on the laureate and, and as you know, there is uh, this fairly new group uh, called the Elders. Um, Peter Gabriel and Sir Richard uh, Branson are really the people responsible for thinking the, the up. They said, ours is now a global village. In the traditional village, you used to have elders who were looked on as uh, repositories of wisdom and experience. They are not not any longer looking for kudos. They are not running for office. They they should have uh, an independence, be able to speak boldly into situations, be able to act behind. Closed doors as well, and uh, so they took this idea to Nelson Mandela and Graca Marcel and, and in two thousand and seven, they uh, on on Nelson's birthday, it was launched, and and yes, I mean uh, there are some quite remarkable people there who put their heads together and try to influence. Uh, sometimes very publicly, uh, sometimes maybe most times uh, by picking up the phone, uh, you know, I mean if a, a Jimmy Carter picks up the phone and says this is Jimmy Carter, uh, the person on the other side does not usually drop the phone, uh, or Coffee Annan or Mary Robinson, uh, it, it, it is, it is a, an interesting group of people.
0: Can I ask you one last question before opening this to the, the floor? Your country gained immeasurable uh, prestige and won many more friends even than it had before when it hosted the Rugby World Cup. And the abiding image of your president wearing the Springbok shirt is one that is iconic for for our times. What is your dearest hope for the 2010 World Cup in South Africa?
1: What, the soccer? Yeah. Uh,
0: Beyond you winning it, of course.
1: Yes. You you, spoke about 1995. You've forgotten that we we won the World Cup a second time. (laughs) Yeah, it's good of you to rub it in. (laughs) for the Welsh. Just go easy on us. Oh, I, oh, I. Sorry, sorry. I should, I should have <laughs> behaved more like a uh, Nobel laureate and be. Um, <laughs> or an Englishman. <laughs> well, I, I don't think we are likely to win it. Uh, uh, but short of that, I, I'm, I'm hoping that. It will be something that, that demonstrates to all of us in the world that we're basically meant to be community, to be family, enjoying uh, competing with each other. But more than anything else, knowing that despite the many things that distinguish us from one another that separate us or want to separate us, We are fundamentally one. And (laughs) you've discovered, actually, that science is saying that you are all Africans. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean, you? (laughs) So you you ought to be nice to us.
0: can I take that as a straightforward invitation uh, for very nice questions from the audience or very difficult questions Mm. from the audience for which we have about a quarter of an hour we have um, roving mics can I take the first one from there please and the next one from there
1: thank you Um, so did you know Steve Biko did you know Steve Biko yes (laughs) And? As a friend. No, not. Well, we were not enemies. No, and, and he, he was a, a remarkable young person. You know, he had this presence and uh, uh, superb, superb intellect. Um, what I would say to you is that it is clear, you young people, in many ways, are going to be our saviors. I, I always say to young people when I speak to them that they are fantastic. They are fantastic. They are fantastic in being so idealistic, dreaming dreams about a world where poverty is history, uh, dreaming dreams about a world where war will be no more, Uh, dreaming God's dream. And I say to them, for goodness sake, don't uh, allow yourself to be infected by the cynicisms of oldies like ourselves. Dream, dream, dream that we're going to have a world that is incredibly different from the one that we have because of you, young people.
2: Oh, thank you very much. It's such an honor for me to be here talking to you. I think it has been my dream. I'm from Zimbabwe, apparently. I want to start by thanking you so much for mentioning about my country and what is happening in Zimbabwe. My name is Martha and I've been involved in campaigns for Africa to mention a few, Make Poverty tree, Stand Up for Africa, Life Aids everything else and I now work for Fair Trade Wells. nothing goes to my country. I believe personally on behalf of Zimbabweans, part of our problems in Zimbabwe have been caused by Southern African leaders believe that Mugabe is a hero, a great hero for Zimbabwe. And this has not changed. My question to you, Desmond, is there a way you can use your undeniable influence to the world to realize that we Zimbabweans are there And also to persuade these South African leaders to understand that Mugabe is no longer the same person as he was before. He has changed. What can we do for Zimbabwe? I am a victim right now as I speak because I run a social enterprise. And I'm a victim of a question, how much goes to Zimbabwe? Desmond, can you do something? Can you use your undeniable influence? Stand up for Zimbabwe. Thank you.
1: Yes, I obviously feel very deeply with you in your in your anguish, and have to say, I mean that uh, some of the leaders in the Sudak region have been, as you describe, but there are others who have been who have been quite uh, straightforward. Uh, I mean, the president of Botswana, particularly, ha- has, been, has been quite consistent. He, he said long ago that uh, Mr. Mugabe should really step down, and, and he's, he has been a lone voice. I believe that um, our new president is probably going to take a tougher line. That is what uh, people have been predicting. I don't know. Uh, but as you heard, I, I am appealing to you, our sisters and brothers, uh, certainly to, to, to try and persuade your own uh, country um, and 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 where you have the influence to um, persuade other donor countries uh, to increase the the support that they are giving to uh, Zimbabwe. I, I, but I don't think that we are going to see uh, radical change until uh, they have the next election. Um, and, and and you know we South Africans walk about feeling a deep shame because we were we were awful. I mean, last year we we saw an explosion of xenophobia in our country that was just abysmal. I mean, it it, it was it was one of the most awful moments. In, 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 in our lives. And um, the elders to, to which I have re- referred have uh, written uh, appeals to various uh, uh, leaders of donor countries putting forward, please, can you step up uh, your support? Clearly, of course, they don't want to do that if the money is going to be siphoned off um, and, and, and go to the cronies of ZANU-PF. Uh, and, and, and so they, they do face a, a real dilemma. They, they, I'm sure many of them want to respond positively. But do you, do you send funds to the Reserve Bank uh, uh, in, in Zimbabwe when you know that the uh, governor of the Reserve Bank is a very close body of uh, uh, the president. It's it's, it's, it's tough, but do, I think, believe that very many in the world are with you. uh, And we certainly would want to see the change happen.
0: Uh, but, Desmond, can I ask, because the lady's point is an extremely good one. There is a lack, uh, the, the president of Botswana aside, of senior African leaders condemning Mugabe. And there is an argument to say that some form of physical intervention from a combined force of southern African states might be not only welcomed by the great majority of the people of Zimbabwe. but. Would establish a great international power within Africa that would be recognized universally.
1: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, and that is something you might be in a position to encourage. You know, quite early on in this business, I said all of us, I mean, political leaders, religious leaders, that all of us needed to ha- to to hang our heads in shame uh, for the way we had responded to such an uh, an awful uh, crisis um, and I have also said uh, uh, in the past that uh, I would myself think that we uh, to advocate uh, a military intervention, Uh, I mean, invoke this new principle of uh, responsibility to protect. Uh, That if a country uh, does not have the ability or the willingness to protect its own people, uh, as has happened in Zimbabwe then, uh, the international community is under obligation to intervene. Do you think they are in this N- case? No, no, no. no. I, 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 I believe that. And, but I've said since we've had the uh, the formation of the government of national unity, we ought to give that a a fair chance. Okay. Uh, because it is. It, it is probably their best chance just now of, of putting it off. Um, it doesn't mean you, you scrap all of the other uh, possibilities. But you're saying, let's try to, to make as sure as we can that uh, this, this thing succeeds. OK.
0: Can I take the next question from the young man there and then one from the lady with her hand up by the camera? Um,
1: was the situation in South Africa 40 years ago similar to the situation now in Gaza? And if so, should peace come through Syria? Similar means, i.e. integration. Uh, similar means. Uh, uh, what, <laughs> what was the last part? Through, Simi- through integration. That's a very good question. Uh, and it's a very sensitive question. I, I, I was in, in Gaza fairly recently. Uh, I was part of uh, a uh, fact-finding mission for the United Nations Human Rights Council. Um, And it was one of the most eerie things I've experienced. We, we came into Gaza from um, Egypt. And we were in a, a, a UN convoy. Um, now, almost anywhere in the world, when children see a, a line of cars or with vehicles, they'll almost always universally rush out onto the street, I mean, either to wave or, or whatever. We must have traveled something like 30 miles or so. Not a single child appeared. And Gaza City, which used to be the hub of economic activity had very, very few cars on the road because they are not able to get petrol. Those who have cars mainly, in fact, use cooking oil There are far more donkey carts. And we were supposed to go and uh, uh, make a finding on what had happened in Beit Hanun when uh, 19 people were killed. Um, And we went to the house where where they were killed. Um, And one of the mothers said, I picked up my baby as the shells were bombarding. uh, And I had to scoop his brains from the floor. There are some incredible people in Israel. I don't know, you might have heard of something called the Parent Circle. The Parent Circle was started by, actually, she comes from South Africa, but a, 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 a Jewish woman who, whose son was killed by a sniper. And she went and said, "I want to talk to the parents of the sniper and from that encounter she said, i mean she knew, she knew that their their son was vulnerable he was going to be killed or, or, or and all of that and uh, from all of that they they formed the parent circle, which is parents from both sides who have lost children as a result of the conflict. The, there are very many, as you know, in the army, there have been very many who have refused uh, to serve because they, they have found that it was Something that was contrary to the past in their faith, and then there are the women who stand by at the um, these checkpoints, who try to shame the soldiers into good behaviour. Um, I, had sometimes, I have sometimes said, I, I can't quite understand how people with this history could, uh, in fact, get to be doing this. But I, I've discovered, actually, that we, we do, in fact, have short memories. Because at home, uh, we who have been suffering under apartheid You go to some of our public offices and you discover that black clerks are behaving in exactly the same way as the Afrikaners. I mean, with scant courtesy, that I mean, we were strange. But I believe one of the reasons why God put the South African example as a small success was to give the world some tangible notice of the fact that there is no situation that is ultimately totally intractable. That the world will have to say, if they could do it in South Africa, then they can do it anyway. I I have a, uh, I have a friend. Uh, she she's very good at aphorism. She's actually Jewish, and she was saying, "Anything that has happened is possible." <laughs> that's smart, isn't it? I mean, that's quite smart. it's it's it's, it's yeah. I actually think, you know, that um, the West feels a deep, deep shame for what it did or didn't do during the Holocaust. And I think that is right. You jolly well ought to feel that shame. But then, the penalty, the penance is being paid, not by the West, it's being paid by the Palestinians. And... um, When we were preparing and being briefed for um, this Beit mission, we met with a number of ambassadors. And you know, the German ambassador said to us, Germany, is responsible for two awful instances of suffering. Germany was responsible for the Holocaust. And he said Germany is responsible for the suffering of the Palestinians. Um, I still myself believe that the two-state solution can be viable. A solution that says Israel is a sovereign state, and there will be a sovereign Palestinian state, and Israel's existence will be guaranteed. And as you know, the Arab nations have taken a resolution that cancels off what they used to say in the past that they would not recognize Israel. They, they, they now say they recognize Israel as a sovereign state. And so if that is the case, it is possible. It is possible. But if we don't, let me, let me save as a last thing. If we don't solve that problem, you can give up on all other problems. You can give up on nuclear disarmament. You can give up on ever winning a war against terror. You can give it up. You can give up any hope of our faith ever work, working really amicably and in a friendly way together. That this, this, this is the problem and it is in our hands.